Today on Ag News Daily. Kind of presented us with a situation about the flooding that is near to our state and he asked for volunteers to go to a mission trip in Schuyler, Nebraska. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Mike Pearson here on the Ag News Daily Podcast Thursday edition, joined today by Delaney Howell. Delaney, how you doing? Pretty good, Mike. Kind of a slow news day today, huh? You know, it is. I think everything is, well, not everything, but I think a lot of things are on hold. We're waiting for the Chinese delegation news to come out on the trade front. We did get some good news. I think at least it... uh, Made me breathe a little bit more easily. Uh, President Trump has said he will not close the border this week. He's going to give Mexico a one-year warning, as he says, to stop more migrants at its southern border and to bring drug trafficking under control. So in a year, if those things haven't happened, then he plans on putting tariffs on cars, perhaps closing the border. But at least least we don't have to worry about that here in the immediate future. Good. That yeah, because I know agriculture was definitely maybe quaking a little bit in their boots on that one. You know, and rightfully so. Six hundred and thirty million bushels of corn goes to Mexico every year, most of it on rail, which uh needs to cross the border. And uh yeah. so yeah, big relief to see that that trade will not be stopped. Absolutely. Well, just on the Chinese US trade negotiations front, we don't have a lot of news there yet, but President Trump did meet with China's vice premier at the White House today. This is the ninth round of official trade negotiations. I didn't realize that one. And um, apparently Washington people are reporting that the negotiations are 90% complete in reaching a final agreement. Oh, the the trouble is I'm willing to bet that the most difficult things are in the remaining 10%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so the some of the final points are really related to technology, how to implement and enforce an agreement and how to regulate, you know, the technology aspect of things. Okay. Well, that that tech thing, I mean, that's the the hot button, the big topic that mm-hmm. we you know, kind of started this whole thing. So, hopefully yeah, they get absolutely. a handle on it. Yeah, and while we're talking about Chinese news, I think you shared this on the Ag News Daily Twitter account today. Uh, some stuff that Arlen Sunderman has been sharing on Twitter, and they that FC Stone did in a webinar here talking about African swine fever. I thought this was really interesting. Um, he said that African swine fever is down or is is causing the hog herd in China down by more than 40%. Yeah. That's a big number when you're thinking 700 million hogs. I know. And I didn't realize it, but China produces like what, 50% or 54% of the world's hogs. Mm Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. They love them. I I think in the markets today too, we had a couple of contracts that were trading limit up on a day, maybe out in the future. So. Yeah, summer months were, were limit up. June, as the market gets close to closing here, June is still trading limit up. We'll see if it finishes that way here in just and, a couple minutes. And I think another sign uh, on the market side of things that really African swine fever is worse off than people are thinking or, or reporting in China is they also just, I believe today or earlier this week, officially allowed the first shipment of poultry in from the EU. So we've seen them lift the ban on poultry from the United States and now on poultry coming from the EU. I think that indicates that this problem is a lot worse than what official 
uh, Chinese folks are saying. Yeah, yeah. It certainly looks as though they're trying to secure more avenues to protein. That's for sure. Absolutely. Well, I've got a good report here. came out from the USDA yesterday. They did an independent analysis looking at ethanol in the context of greenhouse gas emissions. You know, of course, this kind of comes back to that. The, the AOC comments over the weekend, you know, agriculture is to blame for X percentage of, of global warming. What the Department of Ag found is that ethanol is reducing greenhouse gas emissions by up to 47 percent here by 2022. And it was reducing greenhouse gases in transportation by 43 percent. And that's all good news. They said that uh, uh, Emily Score, who is the CEO of Growth Energy, said, quote, this new USDA study further supports that ethanol is a win win for all Americans. And I think it is nice to get some kind of official government support for ethanol when we look at it from the context of uh, the environment. Okay. Interesting. I, actually, talking about uh, Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez, she was on, I'm trying to think what show, it might have been Dr. Oz or oh, something God. bizarre like that, um, basically talking about, again, the farting cows business, and somebody shared it on Facebook I saw today about how she should stay in her own lane and talk about things she actually knows what she's talking about, because I watched the video, she really does sound like an idiot talking about she doesn't know, you know, like what to call feed and what to call grain and what to call cattle and just, yeah. 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 It's, it's frustrating. But you know, when, when Washington has power over these things, whether or not folks understand it, they get the power to regulate. Yes. That's the way things go. But we do have uh, people in public service who are being called to action by this most recent round of flooding. And last week, I had the chance to go to Malvern and listen to Undersecretary Bill Norby, Iowa Secretary of Ag Mike Nag, uh, Senator Charles Grassley was there, and so was Paul Trombino, who is the uh, governor's Shoot, I forget his title. In charge of stuff at the governor's office. Excuse me, Paul. And um, he was asked a question, okay, what what do the next steps look like in Iowa now that this flooding is receding? What does the state do going forward? And I thought he had a pretty in interesting answer that I bet is similar to those we'll hear in South Dakota, Nebraska, and Missouri as well. So I'd like to play Paul's answer for us here so we can get a feel for what recovery is going to look like after this devastating flood. Yeah, my name is Paul. And um, obviously, I've been down here with uh, the governor in the last few uh, weeks, a few times. And um, so, levies, obviously, that's a big question. Um, so, what the conversation we're a little bit about this morning, um, I was down in Hamburg uh, this morning. So, our focus, so on Monday, I had the opportunity to really reach out, uh, thanks to uh, Representative Steve, to meet with a lot of the levy districts and have conversations. What we want to do from a state perspective is work with levy districts to drive what we think is the right solution for the state. Can't say that enough. Um, you know, the, the governor wants to see a long-term solution here uh, that fixes this. We're not going to do this every eight years. Writers see her say that. And, and from our perspective, the best way we do that is working together. So um, our right now, I'm anticipating that next week we're going to have a high-level meeting with the core. Uh, with the governor to try to set that stage and then probably pitching off of that meeting really uh, get the levy districts together and have a, probably a little more technical meeting of what we think are 
probably very near-term solutions that we need to address along the system from from north to south and, and try to start to lay a plan to off those issues as we go forward. So um, there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of questions about breaks. There's a lot of questions about what comes first. There's a lot of questions about um, improvements within the river system, which we, I think I heard this morning that really need to happen. And we want to start to really get all of those in one single place. But we also want to have strong technical assistance that we provide to all the levy districts to make sure that the solutions that are either being proposed or discussed uh, meet the intent of the states uh, and uh, most importantly the levy boards and the communities along there as we uh, have those conversations with the core. So uh, people have asked me this before, is, are we trying to exclude the core? The answer is no. Uh, we want the core to be part of that. Uh, they're going to be part of the solution uh, for us, but we want to help. I think we're much stronger together, aligned, and thinking of a comprehensive plan um, where we deal with all the issues step by step of what, what needs to be addressed. And so that means a comprehensive levy and roadway infrastructure system all together, not trying to separate the pieces overall. So that's sort of where we're at right now. Um, and we'll have more meetings scheduled and they're going to be a little bit more technical as we really get into what we think are uh, some near-term solutions. And I can't say this, the other thing I would, last thing I would add is that we need to move on this. This is not something that needs to wait until this fall. We, my view is that we need to start having activity. Um, there's a lot of things uh, that are coming and on the horizon. Everyone knows what our seasons are like, and, and the sooner we start uh, putting in fixes, um, and temporary fixes are not temporary, as I tell people. Temporary fixes are going to be part of the long-term solution. Um, that's really what we're focused on. The more that we meet with the levy boards and get a better perspective, as I often say, the solutions are sitting in the seats in front of me. We just have to make sure that we grab onto those solutions. Well, there we go, Delaney. And, you know, we've got some other flood news on uh, today's interview, don't we? We do. We're going to talk to some FFA students from Charles City, Iowa, that are heading to Nebraska and other parts of well, to Nebraska specifically to help with some of those areas that have been impacted by the floods here, I think, in a week or so. Yes. Yeah. So stay tuned, listeners. Other than that, Delaney, do you have any other news for our listeners today? I do. So as we talk about, you know, people out in, in D.C. making rules or, or governing things related to agriculture, one that I've been really interested in lately, and we keep seeing more and more news come out about it, is the hemp industry. I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated by it. So I was actually talking to an Iowa congressman over the weekend, and he said there is a bill that is either on the floor, making its way to the floor in Iowa to legalize hemp for the, I think, 2019 growing season. It also looks like Nebraska is doing the same thing here, putting some legislation on the floor that could allow folks to grow it in the 2019 growing season. Michigan also in the process here as well, as well as other states including Ohio, Texas, Oklahoma, Connecticut. Um, and then we've seen states like Kansas and Florida are already writing rules to regulate the industry. California is patiently waiting. So we've seen quite a few states really get on board with this hemp as, as a commodity Except we're seeing 
maybe some adverse effects or some opposite effects happening in D.C. A physician who serves on the House Appropriations Subcommittee that controls the FDA's annual budget is emerging as a critic of the effort to expand this market for industrial hemp into foods and dietary supplements. And at a hearing on Wednesday, the outgoing FDA Commissioner Scott Gottlieb demanded that the agency be more aggressive in forcing companies to stop selling products that contain CBD or CBD oil um, because it isn't approved for food use yet. So we're seeing, you know, at a state level, and we saw it legalized, in the farm bill, the actual crop of hemp, but still seeing a lot of questions when it comes to using hemp as a product or using the oil from hemp in products and foods. Interesting. You know, I'm hearing more and more people talking about CBD and uh, mm-hmm. oil and lotion and you name it. I, I've never tried it. I don't know if it's any good or not, but you know, it's too bad they're already trying to shut the industry down, I think. Well, I, I think they're not trying to shut the entire industry down just from a hemp oil perspective, maybe trying to shut that down. But I've talked to so many people that are interested in it. And I, and I think a lot of states you have to apply or will have to apply for some sort of permit to make sure that you don't have drug charges, you're not actually growing marijuana, etc. But I, I don't know. I think it'll be an interesting crop to grow, that's for sure. Yeah, and hopefully it's another niche market that will allow some growers to find some measure of profitability in these upcoming years, especially if corn and soybeans and wheat remain you know, down in the dumps. Yeah, and so tomorrow, actually, we're having a guest co-host again as kind of our Friday specialty thing here. We've got Scott Binken, who is co-hosting with us tomorrow. He's a producer around uh, Tama County, Iowa. And I think we should ask Scott, you know, what does he think about this or what do other growers think about this? Does it seem like something that's viable for their operations or too far in advance? You know, that kind of a thing. Find us on Twitter. Find us on Facebook at Ag News Daily. Let us know. Are you planning to grow hemp here in the short term? Is there a way to harvest it that makes Mm, sense? You just mow it and bale it? I don't know. But uh, reach out to us. Let us know. We'd love to talk to you and just see how your experiment goes. Absolutely. Well, Delaney, I just have one other piece of news. You touched on it yesterday. I just want to remind our listeners that you only have until April 15th to log in to the EPA's website and comment on the new Waters of the U.S. rule. Um, you can do that by going to regulations.gov slash document and then just search for it. It's one of the top ones, uh, the 2015 Waters rule and – Make your comments known. We're getting the chance to comment on this. This will affect all of us in one form or another. Get on there. Get active. Write your thoughts, pro or con, whatever they may be. You know, we don't get the chance to interact very often with regulators. So when Mm -hmm. we do, be sure to take that chance. Absolutely. Yes, indeed. Well, Delaney, I am all out of news. Should we jump in and see where the market's closed for the day? Oh, let's do it, Mike. All right, folks, and our markets are brought to us by our friends at the Zaner Group. Remember, volatile markets can create opportunity. Work with our friends at Zaner to put a marketing plan in place to manage that risk. Give them a call at 312-277-0050 or visit them on the web at Zaner, Z-A-N-E-R.com, and tell them you heard it on Ag News Daily.
We've got green and corn and soybeans today with the May contract in corn up two and a quarter cents at 365 even. December new crop up a penny, closed at 391 and three quarters. Soybeans, a little bit of a rally today. The May contract up seven cents, finished at 905 and three quarters. November new crop up seven to finish at 939 even. Wheat saw some weakness. The May contract down a half a cent at 470 and a half with July down one and a quarter closing at 473 and a quarter. Jumping over to the livestock side, we've got strength all throughout the sector. In live cattle, the April contract up at $1.7750, closed at 127.55, June up $2.57.5, finished the day at 121.5750. In feeder cattle, April up a dollar fifty-seven and a half, finished at 146.3250, with the May up $2.80. Bring the close to 150.07 and a half. And in lean hogs, the April contract up 50 cents at 79.57.50. The May up 242.50 at 90.82 and a half. And just because I love to say it, the June contract closed the day. Limit up at $97.85 per hundred. Jumping over to look at the dairy industry. In class three milk, the April contract was up two cents at 1582, with the May up three to close at 1570. Without further ado, let's get to the interview Delaney did with our uh, FFAers here in Iowa. Well, I'm excited for today's interview. We've got an FFA chapter from Charles City FFA there in Iowa. Joey Heidebrink and Lauren Connell are heading or are part of the chapter that's heading to Nebraska to really help with some of the flood efforts going on. Guys, first of all, tell me a little bit about what prompted you as a chapter to decide to give up some of your time and head to some of these flood affected areas. Uh, yeah, so our ag advisor uh, kind of presented us with a situation about the flooding that is near to our state and. So we, he asked for volunteers to go to a mission trip in Schuyler, Nebraska. Our radio broadcaster, our neighbors with this uh, guy named Drew Wolf, and he lives in Schuyler, Nebraska. Uh, we are going there from April 5th to April 7th, and we are going to clean up a cattle feed lot and help him with all the devastating floods that he has presented in his uh, cattle lot. So you guys, April 5th through April 7th, I'm pulling up a mat or a calendar right now. So you guys, will you be taking off school to head over there? I see that's a Friday through a Sunday. We'll leave Thursday night, head down to Sioux City, and we'll stay there that night. And then Friday morning, we'll head up and or head down and drive the rest of the way and start working then. Okay. So how many folks from the Charles City FFA chapter will be going along with you two? Um, nine kids. And then another six from Rockford. That is a neighboring town. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So how did you um, go about getting some folks from other towns to go with you as well? Uh, so after we made it known that we were going to go to uh, Schuyler, Nebraska, uh, they had uh, their advisor talk to our advisor and they're like, hey, this is a good opportunity. I think that it'd be really beneficial for us to come along if you guys are making the trip. So they came to us and uh, we were happy to have their help. When you guys were looking at a timeline to plan your trip April 5th through the 7th, that's still a, a week or so away. How did you decide when made the most sense to head out there? Uh, we asked them what worked for them because uh, we have a pretty open schedule right now. And it was just a weekend. It's pretty cool that we can go down on a Friday and uh, work for them all weekend. So yeah, it was just kind of what worked best for them and how we could help them. And you mentioned you were going to be helping um, a, a cattle farmer there. What kind of 
things will you be doing for them or helping them with? Oh, we'll be cleaning up down fences, putting in new fences, maybe, stuff like that. Grunt work. <laughs> Grunt work. Well, I'm sure that they will appreciate your help regardless. Um, tell me what this means to you guys to be able to be kind of at a pivotal time right now for a lot of those producers and, and be able to give them a helping hand. Uh, I think that it's really cool that we have the opportunity to just go down and to help this person. Uh, we are an FFA chapter, and part of being an FFA is uh, living to serve. So we really think that this short trip is going to help us learn so much that it's just a small trip to the amount of help that we're going to help this farmer that is in desperate need of help. Yeah, absolutely. Joey, what does it mean to you? I was walking to class one day, and our advisor, Jim Lumberg, he stopped me in the hallway, and he asked if I if I wanted to help, and I figured, yeah, it's the it's the right thing to do, so why not? That's awesome. That's really exciting that you guys are taking the time to go above and beyond here. Tell me, um, some of the other kids that are going, are they in the same mindset? I mean, what kind of discussions have you guys had? in talking about the floods or in preparation for your upcoming trip? Um, first, I think Mr. Lombard planned it being solely a senior trip, but being seniors in high school, they've got a lot of stuff to do, so there weren't very many that could go there. But then once he opened it up to underclassmen, I remember talking to, I remember talking to Dan Lauby and um, asking him what he was doing, and I could, like, I could just see in him when I asked him to come on the trip with how excited he was to, to go out and help. I think everyone kind of has that same point of view, just they're just ready to go and help help out. Yeah, that's awesome. It's great to see you guys getting involved. Um, are you guys doing any sort of fundraising or going to be bringing anything with you? I know a lot of folks are without clean drinking water right now, so are you doing anything else? Or is there any way our listeners can get involved and, and help support the efforts that you guys are doing? Uh, yeah, so yesterday we had a telethon on our uh, local radio station and a few FFA members from our chapter and two FFA members from the Rockford chapter. Also the um, Cattleman's uh, head chair person, he is going to donate the t-shirt. So right now, as of yesterday, in just a two-hour uh, telethon, we made, made over $3,000. And so uh, you can uh, donate to this cause. We accept checks. Uh, you can mail them to 500 North Grand in Charles City, Iowa, 50616. Uh, you can make the checks out to Charles City Schools. The money is going to help um, offset the trip costs uh, so that we can make the trip uh, our hotels and any gas money that we need to get down there. With the extra money that we don't use, uh, it's going to go to the Nebraska Strong Foundation. Awesome. That's really exciting. Guys, Thank you so much for the hard work that you are going to be putting in here in a couple of weeks. And, and I'm sure that all of the Nebraska folks out there will appreciate you being there as well. And thanks for sharing about your experience. We'll definitely have to have you back on after your trip to Nebraska so you can share with us your thoughts after volunteering. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Have a good day. Also chatted with Brett Spurgeon, who is one of the Charles City FFA advisors. So, Brett, tell me then... The students explained it there just a little bit, but what is the money that you're fundraising going towards? So the money that's been donating so far, so far was all for to help cover the cost of the trip because it's talking with, you know, our, our local radio guy is from Nebraska. So he kind of helped line all this up. Uh, Kellen Haviken, 
with KCH News and, you know, reaching out to that particular farmer, you know, they said that they don't need anything right now. They just need help because, you know, they've lost, obviously their entire, entire feed yard, you know, was wiped out from the flood. And so they, right now it's this cleanup effort. And so that's all, that's what we're going out there to do. Wow. So they lost an entire feed yard. Yeah. Do you know how many head they lost or anything like that? That, that, I don't know how many head. I just know that, you know, they, it's just devastating. Them. Right. And they had to sell some because they have nowhere to put them. Oh, wow. And so they've already had to load out a couple trailer loads full. Brett, yeah. I know And you... then some of the pictures where you saw where they're dropping off hay bales with helicopters, like that's the area this is in on the Platte River. Okay. And I know yeah. the the students mentioned there um, that you kind of helped or your the advisors kind of helped put this idea together. How did you present it to the students? Well, Jim Lumberg, the other advisor, he would he, you know he reached out to to Kellen at the radio station to how we could help, and then you know we talked about it, and it was originally going to be a project for you know a service learning project for the seniors to go over on, but then like they like you know the students had said a majority of them couldn't go. And then we just reached out to a group of kind of our officers and our leadership team about who wanted to, to go and help and, and about how this is the type of project where, you know, we're going to go out there and it's going to be, you know, three hard days of work and, and just because somebody is in need. And once we talked about, you know, going out and helping others, you know, they just started to jump on board. We have more that would like to go, but we just don't have, you know, we're just taking two van loads over, but you know, it was it was presented as a service learning project, and they all jumped on board. And our administrators immediately backed us up and said, "Yeah, you guys have to go and do this." That's awesome, um, Brett. Really quick, if will you guys be posting pictures or videos or anything while you're in yeah. Nebraska? Yeah, yep, we will. Yep, we will. And then our our radio, our local radio KCHA, will be doing you know a lot of live Facebook stuff, and then uh, as well as reports on the radio. And how can we um, interact with you guys while you're on your trip? Um, you know, the Charles City, at Charles City FFA on Twitter. Awesome. Well, Brett, thank you again. And good luck when you guys are heading out there to Nebraska. All right. Well, we definitely appreciate them uh, sharing their their trip that's coming up here. I think they were a little nervous, Mike. You know, and I don't blame them, but it's good to get some on-air experience. It's absolutely. good to get some practice. Yeah, absolutely. You're pretty friendly, you know, for the most for, part. For a first timer, yeah, I think so. Yeah, you didn't uh, bite any of their heads off, so now they've got a good first experience. Hopefully, right, right. I guess we'll have to ask them later how they felt. <laughs> oh, but if our listeners want to hear you getting really into it in some interviews, they can go to our website at agnewsdaily.com. It will redirect you to our new home at the Global Ag Network. You can connect with us. You can connect with the ladies at Girls Talk Ag, connect with Working Cows Podcast, connect with the Dryline Farmer, you name it. There's a great resource of ag podcasts right there. Be sure to check that out. And as mentioned before, you can always find us on the web. Just search for Ag News Daily on Facebook and on Twitter, and we will appear. Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let him go. Let's go.